Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Karen Young with WeShave, and I'm Being Boss. You guys, today's episode is a treat. We talk to a lot of authors and service providers, but we also love getting in with the makers and people who are inventing new things and disrupting markets. And that is exactly what Karen Young, the CEO and founder of We Shave, is doing. She has designed the first luxury shaving brand created for women by women. We Shave creates an experience around shaving that women are raving about, offering high quality razors, blades, and non-toxic grooming products that actually cater to our skincare needs. Now, I promise this is not an ad. We're not only talking about shaving and razors, but what it's like to be a creative entrepreneur creating a product like this and the specific challenges that come with marketing and distributing a physical product. So since launching in 2015, We Shave has been featured in Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, Real Simple, Town and Country, and now Being Boss. You guys, it takes a lot of talent, grit, and determination to be a creative entrepreneur. Not only do you have to be good at what you do, you have to get paid for it. And that's where FreshBooks Cloud Accounting comes in. Money conversations can be awkward, but FreshBooks makes billing painless and it makes you look legit like the pro you want to be. Keep track of your expenses and income like a boss. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is easy to use, but it's also robust with all the things you need to grow your business and make more money doing what you love. Try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. Karen, it's so nice to meet you. You too. You too. Tell us a little bit about your story. Like, where where are you from? Where are you now? And what are you making? <laughs> so I am um, I'm from Brooklyn. Well, I'm actually from two very interesting places. So I'm from Brooklyn, but my family is actually from South America, uh, Guyana. So we are right next to Brazil, Venezuela. We're the only English-speaking country in South America. Um, and so I grew up there from about two months old to seven years old, um, came back to, uh, Brooklyn where my, so I was born in Brooklyn. Um, but my parents had both immigrated from Guyana to Brooklyn. Um, and I have been here since I was seven years old. So I'm always sort of torn in between those two worlds. You know, I identify very heavily with, um, being this like South American, you know, we get called Caribbean every once in a while type girl and um, a Brooklyn girl. And so I am in Brooklyn and I am currently, um, I'm the CEO of a line of women's razors and uh, grooming products called We Shave. Okay, so whenever we first got your pitch in our inbox, and you guys, we get like 20 pitches a day at this point. We get so many, but yours really stood out because I was thinking, one, why razors? And then two, the the way that you articulated your passion for razors, it really <laughs> stood out. So I really want to dig into this. And I was really excited to speak to someone who's making products because for Emily and myself, we are kind of more service-based entrepreneurs, consultants. We're, we code out websites in the past, designing logos. 
everything that we're doing, we can literally do from our keyboard. We can come up with an idea and launch it an hour later, right? But whenever you're manufacturing something, I just feel like it ties back to probably our days of being little kids thinking, I want to be an inventor. I don't know if you had any of that in your soul. Emily, did you ever want to be an inventor? Like, were you thinking of like fun things to make and do? You know it for sure. And I even started my online business Ness making jewelry. So I was I was making things back then. And service is certainly easier, but I think there's so much more No, there definitely is so much more satisfaction that comes from creating products from from having this or having this thing in your hand is so much better than, you know, sending off a digital file somewhere, I think. But there's got to be so much more like prototyping and testing and bumps in the road. I can only imagine. So I want to hear about all of that. So first, <laughs> though, razors. Why razors? Why razors? So first, I will tell you that at least once a month, I go, what the hell was I thinking? Why didn't I get into service? <laughs> it's just like when you're dealing with inventory and prototyping and prototyping and sampling and all of that. Um, and just the price of, of keeping a product based business can definitely be daunting. Um, so why razors? Um, I have always been, you are right. I have always been obsessed with product. Um, and actually when I was really young, uh, I think I was in junior high school, maybe I had this assignment in school and they asked us like, if there was anything that we could invent, like, you know, they asked us to put our little invention hats on and they say, well, what, you know, what would it, what would it be? And I went home and I drew this, um, sort of like really funky sketch of a renewed, you know, redone street sweeper because I was so annoyed by street sweepers. Like I'd be walking to school and they would come blazing up, you know, the street. And I was just like, what is wrong with these things? They're just basically pushing dirt and water all over the place. They're not actually doing their job. And it's so, like leaf blowers. Yes, exactly. What it is, is the, the leaf blower of the street. The point? <laughs> and the noise has been proven to make people unhappy. I didn't know that, but I completely understand. I completely understand. So that young, I was just like, okay, there's something wrong with this and I'm going to figure out how to fix it. And so I went and I took my little drawing in and I was just like, if there's anything that I'm going to reinvent, it's going to be this and this is what's going to happen. And now it's going to actually, you know, push the, the dirt and everything off the street, the garbage off the street into this little receptacle. And then the water's going to come behind. It's going to have a broom and soap and it actually does its job. Right. So I totally um, redid that. And my whole goal in doing that was to was to actually um, run a fleet of them. Like I was just like, I want to build this thing, do it better and run a fleet. <laughs> um, and so I think that I, you know, it was interesting when you, when you kind of brought up from young, like, is there, is there something that's in you that you sort of carry through? And for me, I, I do think that is maybe that's the case. So now as an adult, you know, the problem for me was shaving. Um, and in this particular case, um, I have from the time I, picked up my mother's razor at like 12, 13 or whatever. And I was just like, I'm going to take care of this business myself. Never mind what she says. <laughs> I, I went to town on my skin, turned around and I, it was like my whole body was on fire. It was just an awful experience. And, 
you know, for years, I just kept thinking, my God, I must just have extra sensitive skin because it didn't matter what type of razor I picked up. It was, you know, the cheap plastic ones with like a couple blades or, you know, seven blades, like whatever they came out with, I tried. And it only resulted in ingrown hairs and razor burn every single time. And I've actually always found myself around product. And so I was working in beauty at the time. And, um, you know, I remember like very vividly a couple of my friends, um, it was springtime 2014 around then. And a couple of my friends said, you know, let's get together and it's beautiful out. Let's get together and go for like mani pedis or whatever. And as is the case with most women, I was just like, oh, I'm going to go have someone do my toes. I'm going to shave my legs. <laughs> right. I love that I'm shaving my legs for the pedicurist before I'm shaving my legs for my husband. <laughs> for I, sure. recall, I mean, it was really bad. I recall being single at the time and I was just like, this, this actually really sucks. Like seriously. I mean, it was winter going into spring, beautiful day. And Karen decides to shave her legs for the woman giving her a pedicure. So, you know, times were rough. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have the same, like, did it chew up your legs again? Yeah, yeah. So I got there and, um, you know, I rolled up my leg, my, my pant legs. I put my, my foot on the basin on the inside of my right leg was covered in razor burn. And this was no more than 30 minutes after I had just shaved. And I think one reason it stands out in my mind besides the horror on the horror on my friend's face right but the other reason it stands out in my mind is that I remember looking at the pack of razors that I had just bought you know like a day or two before and I said to myself I'm so over this I'm just nothing ever works let me see if you know finally this this one you know I think it was the cheap ones with like the two blades or whatever I was like maybe less blades will work let me just see if something will work um, and after that experience, so my friend looks over at my leg and she's like, what, like, what just happened? Your, your entire leg is mangled. And I was just like, that's my thing. That happens every single time I shave. And then, so she started talking about her issues with shaving. And my other friend is like, oh, hell no. She's like, I'm lasered from head to toe. She's like, I can't, <laughs> I can't deal, you know, and basically we just kind of all started batting around these real horror stories. Um, and it just really stuck with me for some reason, you know, it was like the street sweeper. I was like, okay, I have to go home and figure this out. I think that it's pretty genius because who of us haven't had razor burn? Emily, you have, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Do you still get it? Um, I shave so much less now. <laughs> I know. That's so great. I went into this point where I was like, well, why, why am I even shaving? Like it sent me yeah. into this feminist, philosophical, like, what, is this something that is handed down from Puritans? Am I even <laughs> participating in something that I want to participate in? And I've actually been reading this book on beauty called Face Value. I'll link to it in the show notes. I've had a couple of people ask me. So I'll link to it in the show notes. But it's been a really interesting book to read on like the deeper impacts of beauty and how we have these conversations and how women 
will bond over beauty in really meaningful ways. And so it sounds like that moment that you had with your friend getting pedicures was an opportunity not only to start a new business, but to really bond over like, holy shit, what are we doing to our legs mm-hmm. and our crotches and our <laughs> underarms? And so, and I also want to mention that I've actually tried um, lasering after dealing with razor burn only to get my crotch burned oh. and the hair still grows back. So now I'm like, I'm just going to rock the 70s vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I don't have to, Karen. So tell me about like how you actually started to approach the solution to the problem. Yeah. And do you ever have any, like, maybe I just shouldn't shave? Like, do you... Oh, I wish I could, girlfriend. No, no, no. I wish I could, but I'm a black woman. There is just, it would just be, (laughs) that just can't happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, to each their own, but I, my hair grows with a vengeance um, and it gets like really hot really quickly. So, you know, I just basically always succumb to the torture. And when I say the torture, I mean, over the years, I have tried a variety of things as well. You know, I remember the last time I waxed, the woman flipped me over so many times. I was just like, you are taking me to dinner after this, right? Like, because <laughs> that was next level. Like, I'm pretty sure you've got a thing for me and I might have a thing for you now. I don't know. But that was amazing. <laughs> And after that, I was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. Um, yeah. So at at what point though, did you think, all right, I'm fixing this for myself. And what did that process look like? Like, just what did it look like? I'm imagining so many things right now. <laughs> um, so I, thankfully, I'm a born researcher and, you know, I, I love sort of digging into to things, especially when there's an inkling of um, a solution in there. And so um, I really just started researching the history of razors themselves. Like I took the whole shaving thing out of the way. Cause if you just take a moment and look up the history of women shaving, it's really sad. Um, and there's a lot of shame. What and, is it? What, well, is it a Puritan thing? <laughs> <laughs> so what, like what you'll see is um, the, the entire history of like ads aimed at women for, you know, for shaving or hair removal have just really, um, have been so sexist and you know it'll be like um you know some of the older ads that we saw from like even as late as the 50s to 70s were basically like you know um if you don't remove your hair if you don't shave you won't be loved you won't be you know found attractive you won't get married um yeah yeah so I was just like, okay, let me just put that aside for a second. That's a whole other topic. And that has informed um, my business as well in some ways in terms of how I approach marketing. Um, but I just kind of went down the path of learning about razors. And so um, I found that in 1915... Um, the first razor that women were actually using was called a safety razor. And that is that single blade razor that you see on on our site. And then I did a little bit more research. And normally when you when you research this at this point, you'll mostly find things sort of geared towards men. So some of the things that I found um, was that it's it's better because it has this single blade. So it's only removing hair at the surface of the skin as opposed to pulling and tugging the hair like multi-blade 
um, mechanisms because, you know, those are meant, um, those, what those do is sort of remove hair below the surface of the skin. And that's how you get the ingrown hairs and so on, because now your hair is trapped under the skin and then the skin heals because you've just removed a little bit of a layer of skin as well while, you, while you're shaving. So the, the skin and the body does what it's supposed to and it heals and it grows over. And now that hair is struggling to push through your skin and um, quite often it'll dive back below. And so when it, it doesn't even get to break through your skin, that's when you have like those really um, sort of inflamed and infected in hairs. That's when you're pulling out the tweezers and that's pretending like when, you're a surgeon on yep, yourself. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny. I've had that exact comment and conversation <laughs> from, from women before. I once went to, um, I once went to like a desk side with the, to sit down and talk to an editor about the line. And she literally okay, said wait, that. Okay, wait, can you tell us what a desk side is? I listen to oh. the beauty podcast and I hear that and I don't know what it means. <laughs> so a desk side is basically, it's almost like you're sitting at the side of their desk, but you could meet them anywhere, you know, in the, in the building or whatever. But that's what it means. And you're basically taking, the product to them and introducing it to them in person nice okay. yeah yeah and so you had a beauty editor tell you that she went yes yeah and so those like commonalities <laughs> those commonalities are the things you know like when you say earlier how we bond over beauty stories like that's one of the the ways like we can all literally if we have ever picked up a razor. If 10 women have picked up a razor, nine of them are going to sit there and talk about how insane and awful the process is and, you know, the surgical removal of ingrown hairs after that. And the one woman who doesn't say anything is usually, usually like, yeah, whatever, bitch. Like, <laughs> You're not a part of this conversation. Yeah, like, <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I did that research. I found, you know, that, um, the razor, it was actually familiar to me because when I was growing up, um, in Guyana, my, my uncles used to use this type of razor. And I always really admired, um, the process and the care with which they took to, to shaving, you know? Um, and that was something. So my grandmother, you know, I saw her put on makeup and lipstick and powder and, you know, fluff that comb-shaped bra and all that. <laughs> it was just like, okay, that's womanhood. But something about what my uncles were doing was just so magnetic. You know, they fill the, the sink with water and they use this beautiful brush and they would put the, you know, put this foam all over their faces. And then, you know, they would take these really slow, um, very thoughtful, careful, shades with this beautiful razor and then I would hear it sort of clink against the sink while they wash it out and then you know it's this whole process of like packing it and putting it away or just putting it up for display and so on and so when I saw that all of this stuff came flooding back and I said I wonder if we could like what is the difference like why can't we use it so I went a little further in um, and I started to learn about the differences in exposure and aggressive level and so on. Basically, a safety razor is a tool. Um, and so it, you know, it really does have to be treated with respect when it's, it's really beautifully made. And it has all of these elements that are, that are taken into context when it comes to making it. So 
for a woman, um, because we don't have very coarse hair to, to contend with. Well, I do sometimes, but that, that's another story. That's another say, show. I, I some hair in places that's pretty coarse. <laughs> that's another show. <laughs> but generally, for most of our exposed area, um, we don't need anything terribly aggressive. So I had to learn the difference, you know, with the language and how razors are made and so on. Um, and then I, uh, I ordered a sample and I was just like, let me see how this thing works. And Kathleen, let me tell you, I, first of all, so the joke is that I took my phone in the bathroom in the shower with me that day. And I had like 911 set up for speed dial because I was just like, never used this thing before. <laughs> Single blade, not sure what's going to happen. Because is it like a straight razor, like the kind of like the switchblade razor that you see? No, no. It's so not like it's, that. It it's still called looks a, like a razor. Yeah, yeah. So it's called a safety razor in part because there is a bar at the front of the razor that actually keeps it back from your skin. And the the um, curve and exposure of that bar is what de- de- determines how aggressive that razor is against your skin, whether okay. it's going to shave through a really coarse beard or whether it's going to shave, you know, underarms kind of. So you still thing. just have to be a little more careful than like the pink razor that you might get. Yeah. You, yeah. As you're talking about kind of the ritual of shaving, I was taken back to remembering the first time I saw my mom shave her legs and <laughs> I remember she pulled a razor, like a big pink razor. Does Bic make mm-hmm. razors or just pens? They do. Yeah, because that was up. the last one I used. That was it. So, okay. Yes. So they make pens and razors, clearly not specializing. <laughs> and I remember her taking that pink razor and her legs aren't even wet out of the side of her drawer and just and that's the sound it made too yeah and then getting her big toe too yeah yeah and there's nothing like sexy or glamorous or (laughs) ritualistic or self-carry about it it was like we're about to go to the pool i gotta get this let me get my knee off my leg (laughs) let me get my knee gotta get my knees yeah let me get my knee Missed a spot. (laughs) Right. Okay, so you get this razor that you have to deal with with care. You Mm -hmm. are maybe afraid of cutting yourself. You've got 911 on speed dial. 911 on speed dial. And then I get in the shower and I use it and I like the fucking angels. Can I curse on the show? Is that okay? Okay, great. Big red E. (laughs) The angels came out of the sky and started singing i mean the most incredible most gentle shave that i have ever experienced in my life i had to keep i kept feeling my skin while i was shaving because i thought i wasn't doing anything um and i was just like but the hair is gone but there's not that you know that sound you described (laughs) like there's not that sound Thank you. There's none of that sound. There's none of the pain, discomfort. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to let this sit overnight because I need to see, you know, maybe, maybe by morning I'll, I'll see, you know, I'll probably wake up covered in, in, in razor burn. Got up the next day, smooth as silk, incredible skin. And I was just like, well, shit. I mean, number one, I think I need to figure out how to, teach women how to use this and even if I can't I'm never going back and yeah I have been I need to start a club right there's like I have been free of ingrowns for over two years (laughs) 
<laughs> like the what is it the IFC maybe ingrown free club or something <laughs> right. yeah yeah I got to trademark that one I just came up with that one before anybody takes it off YouTube <laughs> okay so you did your legs but mm-hmm. is this razor for all the things I did all the things I and did it all was the great. things. I, it's great. It's it is great. It was great. It still is great. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the things is that, like, you know, your exposure to learning how to shave was you, you saw your mom shave. Um, my great example. Yeah, <laughs> great example. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> my mom, the nerve like barely grows any hair. So when I grabbed her razor out the shower that time, it probably was like a year old and rusty. So, you know, double down on, on, on just the goodness right there. Um, but she didn't shave that often. She didn't need to shave that often. Um, and so there was no, there was none of that. Like, let me show you how this is done or anything. Whereas for like my uncles, like I saw them, you know, they were taught by, um, my grandfather, they were taught how to shave. And so one of the things that I realized is that we have completely missed an education on that, you know? Um, and that was something that I really wanted to implement into um, We Shave. I really wanted it to be focused on educating women on shaving. It doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to be awful. Um, and it doesn't have to, you know, ravage your skin. We know that you struggle with how to officially set up your business and incorporate.com is here to help you eliminate the guesswork of making your business legit. They don't offer legal or financial advice, but they are here to help you with all the paperwork and filings for you to set up an LLC corporation or nonprofit. And they're offering our boss listeners a free toolkit that includes a business plan template, incorporation guide, and discounts to help you make it do. To get this guide, go to incorporate.com slash being boss. So whenever you got in the shower that time with that razor the first time, were you planning on making a business out of it or were you just trying to find a razor that worked? I was just desperate to find a razor that worked. So when did the business idea bore itself, born itself, birth itself? (laughs) At what point did you decide to make a business out of these razors? Uh, So the experience sat with me for a while and I think it, um, it married with the, you know, experience that I have in product. Um, you know, I am, uh, I, I truly believe I'm a born entrepreneur. Um, this was also my second business. So I had been in product, product before. So I had a sense of, okay, these are the elements, um, of, you know, how I would take something, bring it to market. Uh, at the time I was actually working in packaging for a prestige beauty company, one of the largest in the, the U S. So I had a sense of, okay, These are the, you know, the sort of channels that things would go through um, before they would get to the consumer. So I knew how to pull something together um, and, you know, figure out how to package it and sell it. Uh, And so that really sat with me for, I'd say I, I probably sat with it for about three to four months because in all honesty, I thought I had lost my mind. I was just like, okay, yeah, you know, <laughs> it was great. It was, but do you need to make it a business? Do you like what? 
Who said you needed to do that? This I is feel crazy. like all the best business ideas <laughs> make you feel a little fucking crazy at some point. They make you feel a little crazy. I mean, even, you know, I will um, speak to other female founders and they'll be like, yo, you are like, this is disruptive. And I'm like, is it? Huh. I guess it you is. Know, it That's kind of cool. Of a lot of what, you know, the thinks period panties are doing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the shaving version of this. Like, why have we not readdressed how women are shaving their legs in a way that isn't for the profit of the people way at the top, you know, where they're adding probably a fourth blade to things as a marketing tactic, when in yep. fact, it's probably doing terrible things for our legs. Yeah. So that's something that I actually wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, but maybe we'll circle back around to that because I want to talk about bringing this thing to market and the fact that this hasn't happened yet. Actually, yeah, let's talk about it now. Like, why hasn't this happened yet? And I think that this is something that keeps a lot of creative entrepreneurs back from creating the thing. Like, they think, well, I was just listening to the Spanx interview on how I built this. And um, the founder of Spanx, whenever she would tell her friends about it, they would say, well, if this was such a good idea, someone would have created it already. And so I wonder if you had any of those inner doubts like, well, if this is so amazing, then why aren't other women doing it? Or why hasn't it gone to market yet? Did you experience any of that? And then how did you overcome that and just do the damn thing? (laughs) Uh, So I did a lot of research on women shaving with safety razors and nothing really came up in the US. But I would find every once in a while, like a little thread that was happening somewhere in the UK or, you know, like a video or something. And I was just like, okay, okay. So it is being done somewhere. And more than anything, I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy, you know? Like, this is an experience that other people are having and this is an experience that other people have sought out um, because of how fantastic it is, the experiences. Um, and so I just, I really, um, really just thought about, you know, the other the other um, brands that I saw bringing products to market at the time. And I was really inspired by like the Warby Parkers of the world. Thanks, you know, even um, as you mentioned before. And I was just like, I really feel like women need to know about this. And even if I fail, or even if it's like a super niche business, you know, I think there is something powerful in solving a woman's problem. Um, and that went back to that sense of community, you know, and the fact that we can all get together and talk about beauty, what we love, what we hate, what we need to see change. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I feel like if I can marry that sense of community with this, you know, a direct to consumer type of business, you know, deliver it right to your door, it's convenient, it's accessible. Um, it's sexy. And on top of that, it solves your problems. And I was like, I really feel like I have something there. And those were the things that I said, I don't feel like anyone else can say that right now. And because I can, I think that's one reason that I could take a chance on bringing this out there. Okay. So you've not only got the razor, which has to do an impeccable job of you know, getting the hair off of our legs and crotches and armpits and whatever else we want to shave. Yeah. Um, big toes. Big toes. Big toes. <laughs> maybe, maybe my face. 
You guys, I, I, shave, I shave my face sometimes. I don't know if I've admitted this on the podcast yet. <laughs> and I recently got razor burned on my upper lip and looked like a 14-year-old oh, no. boy. <laughs> anyway, I've stopped shaving my face since. But anyway, whatever you want to shave, it not only has to be a really great razor, but then you started thinking about business model. So one, I want to talk about kind of um the process of if as much as you can like there might be some proprietary or some secrets or whatever but just getting the product is it more about distribution like finding the right one and then packaging it and marketing it and distributing it um for the target audience or is it you know did you do some invention along the way were you working with manufacturers to say i need this guard to be half a millimeter to the left or you know whatever it might look like so not only getting the razor right but then the business model like how did you start to even think about what that was going to look like and how you would actually literally ship the razor yeah um so with regards to the razor um i didn't know squat about razors then um except that i knew what experience I had had with this particular one. And I kind of knew enough um, with regards to like the level of aggressive and so on. And I said, okay, if I can um, prove product market fit by taking the razor that I have um, and pairing that with these really beautiful skincare products um, that sort of expose women to this ritual of shaving in this, in this manner and shaving with better, you know, all natural products in, in addition, um, then I think that's the way to go. Um, and so I said, I'm going to take that and I'm going to pair it with the direct to consumer model, um, you know, just launch the website and sell directly to our customers um, through that model, because I need to know with no middlemen what their experience has been. If this is going to be something and it's going to be big, I need to have a direct line of communication with these women. So what I did is the razor that I fell in love with, I went and found the source of them in um, Germany. And so we worked through the process of me selling the razors here. Um, and so I started that way and we kept doing, I've been doing that for about two years now. Um, and so this year, what I did, because I always knew that I wanted to own the channel. Um, I don't think you don't come out with something like this that is, you know, so special and unique and like truly solving the problem unless you can figure out how to own the channel. Um, so that was something that I kind of always had in the back of my mind. And can you just say what you like, what do you really mean whenever you say own the channel? Own the channel as in, um, you know, sometimes they'll use the, the terminology vertical um, in in product manufacturing. Um, and vertical can often mean that, you know, you like own everything from the factory and so on. Um, but in my case, it means that I will own the razor. I'll own that angle. I'll own that aggressive, you know, level. Like I'll own every aspect of how this particular razor so works. Like you're cornering the market. I'm cornering the market. Thing, which yeah. here is probably luxury razors for mm-hmm. women. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and so that was always in the back of my mind. But um, I think I'm humble enough to say, um, I'm bold enough to say that I can corner the market. Um, 
but I'm humble enough to know that I can't do that without my customers. So we spent about two years um, getting a sense of how women actually truly experienced um, the product. And so um, this year, one of the things that I did, I always keep in very close contact with our customers and I'm always, you know, I read every review, I see what, like, what are we doing well? What can we do better? Um, and so this year, I actually reached out early in the year and it was like, all right, guys, to your anniversary, you know, we just hit it and, you know, we're ready. Like, it's time for us to to take your feedback and make this line better. Because when I launched, it was like I had my friend's feedback, I had my feedback, but there was still an inkling of, OK, I'm building this product. And I'm building it with, with all of this great information, but I don't know as yet if it's, it's that amazing. You know, I need to see how people truly experience it. Um, and so I felt after two years, we had had enough customers, um, in order to give us some feedback for our next iteration, which is where we are now. And also in those first two years, are you making a profit yet? Are you really just using anything that you make to grow the business? Are you working a day job? Like, what is that situation like? I, <laughs> so I was up at six o'clock every morning, packing orders, you know, making product. I would come home and there would be stacks of boxes in front of my apartment door from, you know, deliveries that I'd gotten that day for raw materials and bottles and jars and so on. Um, and so are you making your own product? At that time, I was. Oh, yeah, cool. at that time, so like in I was kitchen, pouring oil. Like putting together the oil. <laughs> yep. And the yeah. toner. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, we started really simply because that was all I could handle. So when we launched, literally, it was like one oil and two cents and a couple of razors. Yeah, I think maybe even one razor at the time. And then it was like incrementally, like six months in, I was like, hey, I think they like this. I had this other thing. And hey, you know, and I, I just really tried to reimagine everything that I had ever used and, and every experience and every problem that I had ever tried to solve post shaving and waxing and so on. And I was just like, yep, I remember using that product. It absolutely sucked. It was like pouring rocket fuel on my bikini line. I've got to come up with something better. Um, so yeah, that was the, the, um, the, you know, the process and every, every six months or so I'd grow, but we, um, have been profitable from year one. Um, we're growing like gangbusters. I mean, it's really fantastic. We grew 300%, um, year two. Yeah. So it's just been, it's been a really fantastic journey, but the business has been primarily running itself. Um, unless I needed to take on large leaps, like I'm doing currently, um, it's been pretty much running itself. That's fantastic. And I love that you really just started with the basics. I think there's so much power and there it's such an important thing to sort of bring out for a second. This idea that you went into it with a couple of products, minimum viable, you went in there, you started the thing and you grew it really organically from there. And by listening to your people, I think that is, that's how you're supposed to start things like this. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm really excited because I'm actually going to Germany in September um, to oversee the making of our very own razor. And, um, you know, I took our customer feedback 
in order to do that, you know, um, in terms of the experience that they had, everything down to the length of the handle. Um, it's going to be really fantastic. And I'm, I'm so excited. But, you know, I remember reaching out to my customers and I said, hey, you know, when when I started this business, um, I we had to start based like there's no way I if there was one thing I knew for sure <laughs> was that like I was not going to put an $85 razor up onto a website and say hey go over here and buy it you know it was just like I needed to prove myself I needed to prove the company I needed to prove the product um and I needed to see if other people would have that similar sort of almost life-changing experience. And now, you know, a couple years in, when I knew that we had done that successfully, um, I was able to reach back out to those very same people who are wonderful, loyal, and very chatty customers. <laughs> and they let me have it. They were like, this is what I love. This is what you could do better. This is what I hate, you know? And um, we really just took that and, and went back to, um, to a new factory and uh, even our lab. And so we're redoing the entire product line to make it even better, which I'm really excited about. I think that one of the things that's so cool about your business and businesses like yours, including anything that's disrupting a system that's profiting off of women's hygiene, including our periods or um, I mean, that one I think of the most, like with using things like Diva Cups and the Thinks underwear. And now with this, a razor is the sustainability and the environmental factors to it. So there is an upfront cost, but I think that to women who really care about the environment and who really care about really even just leading more of a minimal lifestyle. Emily and I were just talking about, you know, purging our closets and getting organized, having one less thing that, you know, just having one thing that's really beautiful, kind of that quality over quantity thing really matters. But I was wondering if you could even speak to some of the, I think that a lot of people are more aware too of things like parabens and toxins in their products. So does your razor solve some of those problems? Do you think that current razors I mean without being too slanderous and if you guys love your pink razors you know go for it I guess <laughs> but are there things that we don't know about those products that are maybe a little bit shady or dangerous yeah. that yeah. your product addresses yeah so um with um the razor itself as as you mentioned so this razor is basically an heirloom um, it's something, and one of the things that I loved about it also is that, you know, as we talked earlier about the fact that women never actually learn to shave, um, I have a customer that if they choose to have a daughter down the line, they're going to be able to teach their daughter how to shave with this razor. And I just thought that was so special and wonderful and unique and definitely something that has never been addressed for us. Um, and then, you know, with regards to grooming products um, in general for women, I mean, oh my gosh, I like everyone else, I totally spent my days, my, my weeks in Dwayne Reed, you know, picking up like, it will make your leg feel like cashmere, it's strawberry scented foam. And you're like, no, I don't think that strawberry distills down into an oil. I don't know how you manage that, but that's not possible. <laughs> um, 
And so I wanted to address that in particular, you know, once again, you know, solve your own problem. So in particular, for me, I have always been very, very sensitive to synthetic ingredients and um, fillers and so on. Um, and, you know, I would experience things like eczema and like legs and everything after shaving as well. And so I thought, you know, um, when you think about shaving, waxing, anything. It's one of the most intimate things that a woman can do. And you think about the times before, you know, she does it. It's normally, you know, she's she's going before out someplace. Before she's getting laid. Before she's happening. getting laid. Let's get real. Thank you. It's my Thank signal. You. I shave my legs. I better be getting some. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I come out the, the, the shower and my fiance is like, ah you shaved and I'm like oh it's 90 degrees don't think about it but now <laughs> but it really is it really is it it marks so many things in in our lives and what I've actually been finding from my customers is that um quite often the experience that they had using conventional razors you know in terms of how their skin reacted after really impacted how they felt as women you know did they feel sexy did they feel confident um i've we've had customers email us after and say that they haven't worn shorts in 10 years and they did for the first time after using the razor and the the oil and the products so yeah yeah um it was overall it was something that i would not put my foot down um at all and use anything but all natural um, ingredients to to address women's skin. Um, so all of our products are, you know, vegetable um, based cold press oils. Everything is scented with essential oils. Um, the, the partner that we're working with now, uh, even as we expand, understood that and really, really adhere to our conditions. And, you know, we have a new line coming out that is absolutely stunning um yeah and that has some incredible ingredients so definitely true to the brand so one of the things that the creative entrepreneurs that we work with a lot and speak with a lot they offer really quality things so i'm thinking about my friends who have retail who want to offer these really nice products or my friends who have restaurants who source really quality ingredients but it means that a shake might cost eight dollars or a mm -hmm. salad might cost ten dollars it's not the walmart situation where they're cutting corners and able to sell things for a dollar. So how have you overcome some of those barriers or challenges of having a very quality but expensive product when people are used to buying a $5 or a $15 razor to then sell one for $65 or $85? How is it education? Is it community? Is it having a story behind your product? How are you getting, or is it just the quality? Like, how do you get through that? Yeah. Um, so we rely a lot on education and I think the story is definitely, um, a part of it. You know, I'm really excited because once we get back from Germany in September, you know, even on my Instagram stories, I'll be taking our customers and our, our followers along on that journey to see how a safety razor is made. I mean, and that is just insane and so exciting, you know. Um, but yeah, for us, it is um, definitely about storytelling. It's definitely about imparting the the quality to it. It's about talking about how long the the razor lasts, you know. So um, similar to to how we're conditioned to buy from 
Walmarts and H&Ms and so on of the world and not knocking, you know, any brand or anything. But um, I think that we have succumbed to this sense of more is better. And I think that more makes us feel rich to have more things in volume and more things in number. You look at your closet and it's packed with things, you know. Um, and so there's a there's a portion of it as well where, you know, I do have to figure out how to communicate to my customer that this is the very last razor you will ever buy. <laughs> you know, you're not going back to the store two months from now to try the next seven blade that came out. Um, not only is it a beautiful tool that's actually built to last by hand, by an artisan, by a factory that's over a hundred years old. Um, but it is also, um, a tool that actually works so well that you don't even have to think about replacing it. Like as if we don't have enough to think about as women, here's one less thing off your plate. That's great. Covered, solved, done, you know? Um, yeah. And education is really big for us. So I get to know our customer. Um, I get to know what their, what their lives are like, what they're interested in, in general. And so I make sure that, um, I, I don't want to be a one note brand and I wouldn't want anyone speaking to me as if I were a one note, you know, individual. Um, so I get to know like what their favorite shows are. What do they like to do when they're off time? Which is their favorite show, Sex in the City? <laughs> Can we talk about this? <laughs> Your razor names? <laughs> the names, the names. They are funny. Um, so I was a big fan of Sex in the City. Turns out my audience, so when I launched, I thought that my audience was going to be more my age. And I'm not going to give my age away, but let's just say I was in the Sex in the City heyday. <laughs> <laughs> From episode one. Thank you very much. Um, and so I, you know, that's another thing about, about launching a brand is that you have this idea of, okay, I'm, I'm launching from scratch. This is who I think my customer is going to be. And then, you know, you see what happens uh, from there. And so what I ended up learning was that I had a largely millennial audience. Um, but everyone knows Sex in the City. And that's the funny thing is that like, they're all like, yeah, whatever. It's not like they were watching it on HBO last night or anything, but everyone gets the reference. Uh, the so reason for our listeners, the, there is a Carrie <laughs> razor, which is 14 karat gold. It's beautiful. And then there is a Samantha razor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the reason it's, it's sex in the city. Um, they're named after sex in the city characters is number one. I do not take myself too seriously and I didn't want to take this brand so darn seriously. And number two, um, um, I wanted women to know automatically the second they got to the page with the product or whatever, that this was for you. Um, one of my issues around shaving is that we have always been an afterthought. We have always been, oh yeah, just use this men's razor. Oh yeah, it's fine. Whatever. You can use it too. Um, and it's just been really frustrating. You know, you go over to these, the websites and, you know, or wherever to buy a razor and, and, um, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's for your, it's, it's for your beard and so on. And we just always are an afterthought and we always are sort of left out. And, um, I wanted women to automatically feel similar to, when I put my leg up on the basin and I had the razor burn and my friend was like, what the hell is going on? That's something that a girlfriend will say to you. And so I wanted people to know that you had hit on a brand that was for you and by someone who looked like you and had the same experiences you do. 
Yeah, it makes me think about like all the old white dudes making our products in a boardroom. Like none of them are yes. gonna be like, and we'll call it the carry razor. I think that it is that really subtle nod that like, okay, this is by a woman who watches shows that I watch. So, Emily, do you have any other questions? I don't think so. I think I think just generally advice that you may have for anyone out there who's wanting to invent things or disrupt a product market or whatever it may be, what have you learned along the way that you would like to distill down for folks who may be wanting to walk a similar path? Um, I would say to definitely start start small. Um, and I also think, um, so I remember thinking that there, there are like a lot of companies that I kind of will see pop up in my, my, you know, Facebook feed with like ads and so on. And sometimes I will, I'll fall for it. <laughs> like I'll, I'll be like, oh, this is great. Or, oh, this is really pretty. And I'll buy something. And then I get it. And I feel as if they're sort of beta testing <laughs> on me just to kind of get started. And I, you know, I received the sort of crappy um, version of, of something. I think there's always room to grow. We are definitely growing and, and getting better. But I made it a point to um, seek out the absolute best that I could at that time. And I offered that to my customers. And I knew that when it came to the price point, I would definitely lose some people. Um, but I knew I couldn't fulfill and solve everything at one time. So I literally said, let me focus on the absolute best. And I know that there will be that customer that's out there that has this problem and that wants to solve this problem enough that they will take the chance on me. And then that turned from one customer, which was like my good friend to like two customers to five to 10 to a hundred. And, and we've been growing from there. Um, that's my advice. With that kind of advice, I think there will be less junk in the world. <laughs> Amen. I was Basically. about to say, I feel like you know you've got a business with a ton of integrity whenever you put yourself out of business after people buy you once. Like mm. businesses that aren't repeatable, right? right? Because that's what sh razors are right now. You've got to buy a new one. They're disposable. If you want a good shave. <laughs> yeah, they're disposable. Exactly. They're disposable. Yeah. So I love that you're bringing permanence to this market. I cannot wait to shave my legs with your razor. <laughs> so let our audience know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find us at weshave.com. That's O-U-I-S-H-A-V-E. And uh, just a little note that O-U-I is also supposed to sound like we when you say it. So I really wanted women to definitely feel like they belong. So that's a little play on yes, we, the whole thing there. <laughs> um, oh, and we, we, exactly. <laughs> um, and we're on Instagram at we shave as, as well. Awesome. All right. One more question for you. What yeah. makes you feel most boss? <laughs> um, I would say that, uh, booking a flight to a factory to be like, yeah, we're going to do this. I'll see you in September. You know, that definitely. And I had a moment where I was like, what would a white male do? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he 
book a motherfucking flight. Yeah. So I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I (laughs) never thought about going to a factory, but I agree that I feel like that would be one of the most boss days of my life. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Traveling for work always makes me feel the most boss, for sure. (laughs) And gets you an upgrade. That'll make you feel real boss. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I've had so much fun. I had no idea that I would have so much fun talking about razors, but your story has been incredibly inspiring, not only from wanting to shave my legs inspiring, but just wanting to make something and to make something really well. So thanks for joining us, Karen. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. We have gotten so much amazing feedback over the years from listeners about how our podcast has helped them start to grow and uplevel their businesses. So we want to celebrate you. Here's the boss we're celebrating this week. Hello, bosses. My name is Danielle Joseph, and I am being boss. I am a brand stylist and a web designer at my company, Function Creative Co., found at www.hellofunction.com. And this week, I'm celebrating being boss by taking off three full days to prep and get my sister ready for her wedding. I've literally been able to take Monday, Thursday, and Friday off without any feelings of guilt, without really checking my email or social media very much, and just focusing on my family. And it has felt so good because guess what? I didn't have to ask anyone for permission. That's my Being Boss celebration for this week. You guys, I'm so pumped to keep hearing about what you guys are doing. And Kathleen and Emily, thanks for featuring these. Be boss. Bye, guys. If you're feeling boss and want to submit your own boss moment or win, go to www.beingboss.club slash I am being boss. This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us and you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash being boss. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Being Counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.